are those who like change? Raise your hand. Do you like change? All right. How many of you don't like change? Raise your hand. All right. Many more who do not like change than who do like change. Uh, this has been a season of change, has it not? A season where it seems like constantly things are moving around us. Um, let me ask you this. Have you ever been somewhere, though, where you wanted someone else to move? Not you, but you wanted someone else to move. You know, maybe, maybe it's your neighbor. You're like, I wish they would move. <laughs> Hopefully not, but maybe, maybe. Uh, maybe it's while you're sitting in the grocery store and uh, the person in front of you is not moving along, and you're like, come on now, can you move it along, buddy? Uh, maybe it's when you're at a stoplight, and you're waiting to turn, and the person in front of you doesn't turn, and you're like, dude, come on. But they're waiting for the arrow to turn green. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Like, it's been clear, like the whole time, no one has come. You can go. It's like you're stopped. You can go. And so I'm just one of those people who just tell them they can go by giving just a little, uh, little honk, just a little honk. And then what normally happens is, is they kind of get angry, look at me in their rearview mirror, and then they just sit there even longer. And then I'm like, oh, Jesus. Please move. And, um, or I'll move you. And um, sometimes I'm like Jesus and sometimes I'm not. And, uh, and that's one of those moments. <laughs> Kasha has always said she wants a punching bag on the front of the car. You know, just, just a little punching bag that when you get up next behind somebody and you need them to move, the punching bag, you could just, like, inspect your gadget. You know, just hit it and just, just boop, just move them along a little bit. Just kind of just a nice little bump uh, on the back side of them. But um, when my kids were young, they uh, loved this movie called Madagascar. Anyone remember that movie, Madagascar? So this is, this is the one where all of the, you know, animals get let out from the New York Zoo and they find themselves on this journey and it's fun and, and uh, they find themselves going to this island and King Julius is there and they're having this big party and everything and there's this song that's playing on there and uh, you guys remember this song? It's like, I like to move it, move it. You like to move it, move it. We like to move it, move it. You like to... All right, a few of you. So since not everyone participated, here we go. I like to move it, move it. You like to move it, move it. We like to move it, move it. You like to? Yeah, we like to move it. I mean, like all of us like to move it to some degree. I mean, we're not talking just about dance moves there. But just there's this idea that we love forward progress. If you're building a house, what do you want? Forward progress. If you're in a race, what do you want? Forward progress. If you're in school, what do you want? Man, you want to graduate. Wherever it is, we want forward progress in the things that we find in life. This series we're in right now is called Battle Plans, and it's this idea that we're in a war, and in the midst of this war, this spiritual battle that we're in, there is a role, there's a responsibility that we play in the midst of that, but the most important thing that we recognize is that God is in the midst of all of it. That God actually has a plan and purpose, that he's going to give out orders, and those orders are not to harm us, but those orders are to help us in the midst of the battle. He actually says, hey, I, I need you to stay away from this area over here because there's harm. Hey, I need you to stay right here and trust me in these moments. And, and it's in there sometimes, though, where he says, hey, I need you to take ground. I picture um, the trenches of World War II, and I picture moments where soldiers had settled in. They had become comfortable in those areas, even with war around them. And what would happen is, is an order would be given for them to take ground, to, to, to go ahead, to actually attack the enemy, to get out of the trench. 
And I think for some of us in Christianity for too long, we've been hiding out in the trenches. In fact, we've made the trenches really nice. We uh, call them our churches, and we've created these spiritual bubbles of protection for our families, for our kids. And we say this, we say, I'm really comfortable in this trench. This, I mean, I got all the comforts. I got everything I need right here. And sometimes God is saying, hey, it's time to get out of that trench and to actually take some ground. And I believe that that God is calling the church to movement forward. He's not asking us to retreat. He's not even asking us, I believe, to stand still. I think right now, this is the time where God is saying, I need the church to move and to take ground. There's never been a time like this in the history, at least in, in my lifetime, where there has ever been a greater opportunity for truth to actually prevail. You know what truth does? Truth is the thing that in the midst of all the confusion actually begins to be like a a light. The word of God is like a lamp. It shines into our feet and, and helps us direct the path. And, and I was watching a, a good friend of mine here a while back. He was doing a, a, like a message, and, and in it, JJ was, um, Pastor JJ was talking about how it doesn't say that God's word is like a flashlight. It says God's word is like a lamp. See, a flashlight shows us what's up ahead and really far ahead, but that's not what God's Word does. God's Word actually illuminates right where we are. And some of us, we're so focused on the future and where we're going that we actually fail to take the next step. We look at it and man, I know God's going to do great things. Revival is coming. That's going to be awesome. It's going to be amazing. And we live out there in that land, but we never take the necessary steps now to actually move. Kasha and I have been uh, hiking a lot lately. We love to be out in the outdoors, and we love to spend that time together. And yesterday we took my family, and we were out hiking, and, and it was a lot of fun. And there have been multiple times where we've been hiking, though, and along the way, I, um, I'm pretty good with directions. I, I, I am a man, so we're definitely good at directions, at least most men think we are. But honestly, Kasha would tell you, you can ask her, that I'm actually pretty good at directions. And uh, some of the trails we've been on through the years have not been all that well marked, but but we can kind of find our way. And I remember one time we were out on this trail, and, and, I, and I just knew. I knew that if we went left at this one spot, that that would guide us exactly where we needed to go, only to find out that it was not the direction we needed to go. So we get up there, we find this, it actually runs us into this parking lot, which is not where our car is parked. And so I see a trail on the other side of it. I'm like, oh, babe, it's not, it's not a big deal. The trail just picks up on the other side. Because she's like, you don't know where you're going. And I'm like, oh, I know where I'm going. I'm for sure that I know where I'm going. And she's like, okay. So she just follows along. We, we get on that trail on the other side. And all of a sudden, that trail just goes right back and circles back. And I'm realizing we are circling back the same way we came. Only to find out that the spot that the trail kind of joined in was the same spot that Kasha asked which direction. And I said, this way. And it was not that way. It was just a simple loop that was there on the trail. And I was thinking about that and thinking about our lives, thinking about what are the different roles. And, and here's, what I, here's, the, here's the word picture that I felt like the Lord was giving me. So the Father owns all the land. The Father. Father God the Father owns it all. He owns everything. He created all of it. He knows all of it. He knows all the landscape around. Like the Father knows everything. 
The Holy Spirit um, is the one who guides us along it. But then there's Jesus. Jesus is in the middle of it. And what Jesus did is Jesus blazed the path, the trail, through the midst of the wilderness. So God created all of the wilderness. Jesus pays the trail through the wilderness. But here's the thing about the trail, is that the trail sometimes has left, right, sometimes it's straight, sometimes it's like you got to circle back over here. Like there's all these different paths through it, and that's where the role of the Holy Spirit comes in. Because the Holy Spirit is the one who guides us along the path. Have you ever had a personal guide before Ever been on a trail where you had a guide, someone who actually knew? I know for some of you, maybe you're like, I, I don't like the outdoors. Okay, let's talk shopping for a second. All the ladies' ears perk up. Okay, so imagine what it's like, though, when you have a personal shopper. She knows or he knows, like, the layout of the mall or the outlet or wherever you are. They know the layout of the stores. Their job, the job of a personal shopper is, is to know where everything is. So you just follow along with them. So they're like, oh, over here is where the Gucci bags are and this is that. And I don't know why I said Gucci. But anyways, like, they're just the ones who are guiding you and directing you throughout the mall or wherever it is. If you find yourself in a place where you're like, man, that type of a guide would be really helpful, it is. Because what happens is, is you're allowed in that moment then to just follow along. Kasha and I love Disney. And at Disney, they actually have a personal guide that will take you around the Disney parks. It doesn't cost hardly any money whatsoever. It's just your firstborn child and a leg. It's not that big of a deal. Um, but it does, it does cost a lot. But here's what they'll do. They'll, they'll show you around the whole park. It's awesome. They'll take you behind the scenes. They'll actually take you in spots that general public is not allowed to so you can get to the spots you need to. They walk you right up to the front of every line, and you get to, like, cut in front of everyone because you have your personal guide, who's the Disney person, to make all the magic happen that day. And the people who have done it, they all say it's amazing. It's the only way to do the Disney parks. But there's something to be said in our own lives in this idea of having a guide. And, and I think of the Holy Spirit as better than a shopping guide, better than a trail guide, better than a Disney guide. The Holy Spirit actually knows not only the layout, but knows what's to come. Knows the circumstances that you and I will face. See here, a Disney guide doesn't know what is actually many times happening with rides until they get there. The Holy Spirit knows things that are to come, things that have happened, things that have happened even in your past. The Holy Spirit is the one who guides and directs us in these moments. And so we need to stay in step with the Spirit of God. In fact, Proverbs chapter 16 verse 9 says this. A man's mind plans his ways. But the Lord directs his steps. A man's mind plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that the Lord directs my steps. That he's constantly encouraging me and saying, okay, Brian, here's the path. Here's, come on, I need you to take this step. The Holy Spirit is the one who's constantly guiding and directing me in my life. The Holy Spirit kind of drew my attention back to a message that I had preached at the first part of the year. In fact, it was right before the new year. And it was a video message that I did. And in that video message, the Holy Spirit really prompted me in that moment, I believe, to encourage the church not to give up. We began digging into a little bit of this idea of what it means to not give up. And by definition, to give up, it means this. It's to yield control or possession of. It's interesting because right now we're getting ready to enter into the sixth month of the year. 
Um, we're, we're getting closer to the halfway point for our year. And some of you, you've been doing really good. Maybe you made some New Year's resolutions and you've just been killing them. Some of you are like, what's a New Year's resolution? Remember that thing you said at the first part of the year you were going to do? Well, you're halfway in almost. In fact, if some of you are wondering, when is the actual halfway point? It's July 2nd. So July 2nd is the 183rd day of the year. So that's going to be our halfway point for this year. I'm not saying anything magical happens at the halfway point, no, but I am saying what type of progress have you made on maybe some of the goals you set? What are some of the things that you really felt like you were going to actually create movement in in your life? Maybe for you it was a dream that God had put inside of your heart and it was like, I need to take some steps. Pastor Ron earlier in the gathering had a specific moment where he said there's some people where you've been trusting, like you've been, you've been struggling with this area and, and there was this prompting by the Holy Spirit to do something, to take action. I know for me, the Holy Spirit was speaking to me in that moment about something that he's saying, Brian, I need you to take some action on this. I need you, I need you to put some wheels, quote unquote, to this dream. And I was like, oh man, okay, all right, all right. What I found is in the midst of movement, though, we question. In the midst of taking steps, we question, am I taking steps in the right direction? Am I and I'm doing this? And I think sometimes God's like, just, will you just trust me? Will you stop trying to have it all figured out? Some of you aren't willing to take the next step until you have it all figured out. And God's like saying to you, listen, you're not going to have all that figured out before it's time to take that step. Just take the step. And what it boils down to is, is, is a lot of times we're trying to control it. Hi, my name's Brian, and I struggle with controlling things. Hi, Brian. <laughs> I'm so-and-so, and I struggle too. I think all of us, to some degree, struggle with the control side of it. We're trying to control what's happening in our families, what's happening in our marriages, what's happening in our finances, what's happening in our health. Like, we're trying to control those areas. And if anyone understood the idea of control and really how God wants us to give things up, it's, it's Paul. Now, Paul's a guy who we look to a lot. The writings um, of the inspiration of the Holy Spirit upon Paul, New Testament wrote a ton of it. But Paul's story is not the way Paul's story probably should have gone or at least how he thought it should have gone. Paul knew that God had got a hold of his heart. It's in a moment where God gets a hold of his heart where instead of persecuting Christians, he becomes like one of the lead Christians. And Paul in that moment becomes just like on fire for the gospel. And it's in those moments of Paul taking steps forward and, and keeping in step with the Spirit of God where all of a sudden those steps lead him to prison. It leads them to being shipwrecked. It leads them to a moment where he's stoned. It leads them to a moment where he's beaten. Like so many different moments in his life that if you and I were to walk those steps, we would say, that's not the steps I want. We want the easy road. We want the simple road. But what if God is actually calling you to take steps that actually don't feel all that good? What if God's actually calling us to take some steps that require some sacrifice I think about Philippians chapter 3 where Paul writes, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. He's saying, I haven't arrived. But he says, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul understood the principle of movement. 
He understood the principle that God is calling us to move things forward. It's interesting, as Paul's writing much of the New Testament, one of the things that we continuously see is Paul's addressing the issues of the time. As Paul's addressing those issues, we would say, well, that was an issue probably back then, but it's so crazy how those are some of the same issues that we're dealing with today. In Galatians chapter 5, which is going to be kind of our main text for today, we see Paul addressing the Gentile Galatians. And what's happening is he's talking to them about how they're being told that they have to adhere to the tenets of the Mosaic Law. And and in particular, there's one that's really big in there, and that is that you have to be circumcised. Now, if you don't know what circumcision is, I would say Google it, but I don't know. Can, can you Google Yeah, you can Google that. But, but basically, it's not something that a grown man wants to go through. Let's just say that. So can you imagine it? you give your heart to Christ, you, you start taking steps in your relationship with Christ, and all of a sudden some, someone comes to you and they say, hey, have you been circumcised? And you're like, no, dude. I'm, I'm a Gentile. And they're like, oh, well, if you're going to follow Jesus... We're having a circumcision party, like, after church on Sunday. And, um, like, you need to be there. I mean, could you imagine that? Like, if today I was, like, to all the men in the house, I'm like, listen, if you haven't been circumcised, you're going to follow Jesus today in the event center, right after the gathering. We have a, have a special moment for you and your family, and uh, it'll be fantastic. <laughs> like, no, that would be horrible. But this is the problem that Paul's addressing. Because why? Because... Because according to the Mosaic law, that was something that had to happen. Now, when you unpack all of what that means, really what it boils down to is, is people are saying, listen, you, in order for you to make movement forward, you have to adhere to these things. The beautiful thing about the gospel, though, is, is this, is that God came not to destroy the law, but to actually fulfill the law. And so he's asking them to actually yield control. And that's why, that's why um, Paul is saying things like, in Philippians, like we're in this race and we just strive ahead and we keep pressing ahead. But, but in verse 1 of chapter 5, and I'll kind of skip around a few verses in there, but basically Paul starts off, he says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. So Paul's like, listen, 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 listen. Wait, pause. Before we have the circumcision parties after church, Remember, Christ has set you free. He goes on to say, So stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Being bound to the law and the things that were there, Christ actually came to set us free from that. He says in verse um, 7, a few verses later, he says, You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Paul's addressing this with them. He's saying, listen, like, you guys were doing really well. Like, and then all of a sudden, somebody was like, hey, you haven't been circumcised yet. You need to be circumcised. And, and then people are like, oh, is that, is that true? And there's all this discussion that's happening. And, and Paul's like, listen, you've been set free from that. You don't have to do that. Verse 13, it says, for you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Because what was happening was people were like, yes, I've been set free from Christ. I can do and be whoever I want to be. And listen, our culture right now is saying you can just be you, whoever you want to be. So based on how you feel for the day, just be that. That's fine. But here's the slippery slope of that. Is that people are sinful. 
And people do really evil and hurtful things. And so if you tell society and culture, just do or be however you feel, sometimes people feel evil. And sometimes people do horrible things. And what is happening is, is things that we once said were absolute truths, we're throwing them to the side for, for the sake of being inclusive and welcoming to all. But the reality of it is, is that we're allowing sin to continue to wreck the hearts of mankind by saying you can just be in whoever. And I'm going to give you an extreme here, but I'm telling you, extremes are where we're headed. Right now, as a society, we would say mass shootings are wrong. I don't really see a whole lot of people questioning mass shootings, right? But if you continue in the logic of just be whoever you want to be and do however you want to do, eventually what will happen is is some people will say, I could not help myself. I just had to take the life of someone else. And eventually, you keep going down that slippery slope, someone will say, that's just how they are. That's just who they are. And our society will continue to fall down a path of destruction. I know that we love the idea of loving everyone and accepting everyone. And we can love and accept everyone. But we don't continue to excuse sin. There's already movements out there of pedophiles where they'll say, that's just who I am. Let me love a child in that way. We would look at that and say, no, that's wrong. But society is already going that way to where they're saying, hey, you know what? It Maybe this is just how it is. No, no, no. Truth is truth. God's word is truth. And that's why we adhere to that and we keep in step with the Spirit as we'll see here in a moment. Verse 14 says, For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 15, But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Now listen, we've been in a season right now where there's been a lot of biting happening within certain parties, within certain, I mean, even in churches, even in, like, even in the faith, like people say things and we're just so offended by it. Can I just challenge you with something? Stop being offended. Just stop. Please stop being offended. Well, that offends me that you said to not be offended. Okay, fine. Just stop. Just stop. Let's, let's stop getting so bent out of shape by You know, your neighbor did this, or so-and-so posted this on Facebook. Who cares? Listen, post whatever you want to put out there. You're the one that makes yourself look like an idiot. All right, that's my flesh right there, sorry. I don't think Jesus would say you're an idiot. All right, verse 16. Let's get back to this. Because I could talk about that a lot. Because I think we've all seen each other biting and devouring one another. And it's interesting because Paul had to address it there at the church in Galatia, just like he has to address it to us today. It's almost like the Holy Spirit, the guide, knew that we would need guiding in this area once again. 
Verse 16, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For those are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And then what Paul does is then Paul starts talking about all these things that are contrary to the flesh or are contrary to the spirit. He talks about these things that are actually have to do with the flesh. You can read about them later. But I, I love then he kind of switches it from things not to do, not to partake in. In verse 22 he says, but the fruit of the spirit. So he's saying, listen, your life, the fruit, how people will know if you're a follower of Jesus, this will come out of your life. How do I know an apple tree is an apple tree? It produces apples. How do I know an orange tree is an orange tree? It produces oranges. How do I know a Christian is a Christian? Here we go. They have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, or goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And then in verse 25, and this this is the key for today. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. If we live by the Spirit, and last week we talked about the Holy Spirit, and we are talking about our heavenly prayer language that God's given us. If you missed that message, I want to encourage you to, to go back and listen to that. It's always online. But man, just to listen to that and just begin to ask God some questions about that. I know many have. People have been asking God, saying, God, I just, it's a different side of like what I just want to grow in. I, I want to take some steps in that. But in verse 25, Paul actually challenges us with this idea. If we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So Kasha and I have one of the greatest dogs known to mankind. His name is Titus. He's a little miniature golden doodle. He's awesome. Um, I say he's, you know, the smartest dog out there, but he really isn't the smartest dog out there. But, but he's our dog. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Like, you, you kind of look past some of the faults of your own dog and everything. But one of the things we love doing is taking Titus for walks with us. And uh, one of the things I don't want is I don't want him to be the dog that's dragging me along, so way up ahead. And I don't want him dragging behind. I want him right next to me. I want him to heal just right here to where, like, as we're walking, I can just hold the leash and he's just right next to me. He, he stays in step with me. And I want you to picture this for a minute, kind of like the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is asking us to stay in step with the Holy Spirit. Now, I know some of you are like, are you using a dog example? Just, just bear with me for a second, okay? The thing about a dog is a dog is loyal to his master. And a dog stays loyal to the master because he knows the master is going to take care of him. And, and that good care actually wants, keeps that dog to where he's like, no, I just I want to stay in step. So Titus, when he goes out, he, sometimes he'll see things and get distracted and, and want to go after him. And, and I'll just, you know, gently pull him back and say, Titus, no, heal. I'll kind of pull on the leash a little bit, and he'll just, he'll get just right back into my step, right into my stride. If I, if I pick up the pace, he picks up the pace. If I slow the pace down, he slows the pace down. He just stays right in step with me. I give you that example because I think God wants us to stay in step. In fact, that's what the scripture says. It says that if we keep in step, those who are of the Spirit, live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. See, what happens is is some of us 
are way out ahead of the Holy Spirit. And we're constantly looking back and saying, oh, is it, am I supposed to go right or left? 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 And the Holy Spirit's like, just stay in step with me. Stop trying to get so far ahead. Some of us, we've stopped. We're, we're so far behind, and the Holy Spirit's like, are you coming? Come on, are you coming? Now here's the thing. I believe that God gives us free will. And what that means is there is no leash that God gives to us. So one of the things I love is when we take Titus's leash off, and really we can walk Titus without a leash. I can literally take the leash off and say heal, and he'll just walk right next to us, in step, in stride. When we're on the trails and I say, go, I just do this, go, he, boom, he flies off ahead, just runs down the trail, and then he'll stop when he gets so far. He'll turn around, he'll look at us, and then he'll, <laughs> and then he just runs right back at us, and then he'll fall right into step with us and just walks right along with us until I say, go, and then he'll go again. He keeps in step with us the whole time. And I want you to picture that word picture because I believe that is one of the things that the Holy Spirit wants us to do is to stay in step with him. If we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. That idea of keep comes from the Greek word stahel. And stahel means this. It means to hold to, to conform or to follow. So think about this. If we live by the Spirit, let us also hold to, let us conform, let us follow in step with the Spirit. It's this idea of a union that we have with the Spirit of God. This type of... So then I started thinking about, okay, battle plans, all these different things. Like, think about soldiers. Soldiers will train day after day, marching every day. Is it because one day when they get in the battle, the way they take their step and the way they turn left, is it that is what's going to win the battle? No, no, no. Now, what they're doing in the midst of those training moments is they're training their brain to listen to the commands and to follow them without question. To keep in step with the commander. Every day they train. Train, train, train. We're marching together. We're marching in step. We're watching what the people around us are. We're a unit. We're in this thing together. So we march in stride. We take it in stride. No one gets out ahead of the other. No, no, we're marching together. We are a unit. We are better together. And we are listening to what the commander says, and we're following every word, and we're trusting every word. What if the church actually did that? We just said, you know, I'm just going to keep in step with the Spirit of God. I'm going to listen to his voice. He said, take two steps forward. I'm going to take two steps forward. He said, about face. I'm going to about face. Like, whatever it is, the commands that are coming, we stayed in step. And then we actually said, you know what? I'm going to actually keep in step with those who are around me. Because I don't want someone else to fall off. When we saw someone that wasn't at church, hadn't been there in a while, instead of thinking, ah, I bet you they probably just left, we actually picked up the phone, made a phone call, said, hey, I miss you. Do you know one of the things that I hear from people, and it's through the years, I've, I've always heard this, but people say, you know, I left, I haven't been at such and such church for like three months, four months. I haven't been there in that long. And not one person ever called and said, I miss you. It's almost like we take it for granted. I was talking with someone the other day. They, they, they served here very actively, very active on the serve teams. And uh, they were serving in a pretty prominent position and everything. 
Hadn't seen him in a while. Said not one person's called and said, hey, miss you. Not one. Not even the people they serve with. And I was like, ooh, that's not good. That's not what we want. Make a phone call. Stay in step. Stay in stride. When we keep in step with each other and when we keep in step with the Spirit of God, it puts us in that place where it's like, man, now I'm hearing the voice of God and I'm keeping in step with him. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24, Paul writes this, Don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it for, to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should do. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Paul gives us even a different picture. He says that it's not just a walk, it's a race. And Paul's challenging us in the midst of the race to actually live a self-controlled life. And I think sometimes we underestimate this concept because what we don't recognize is that self-control is actually attached in the fruits of the Spirit. Now think about it. The fruit of the spirits that we read about in Galatians 5 start with love and end with self-control. Now just think about that. What if the church did really good at self-control and loving? Do you know what would happen? All those things in between would happen. Patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness. They'd all happen because we'd be loving each other and we'd be denying ourselves in self-control. And those things right there would allow those things to then take place. And that's what Paul's reminding us about. Paul's saying that you and I actually have something to gain by staying in step with the Spirit. We actually can have the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. So four simple things, four simple things. I'm not going to unpack them, but I want you just to think about them, and I want you this week to actually unpack them yourself. Four things that I see in here. First is, is that we're called to run to win, we're trained to win, focused to win, and risk to win. So it's, it's this idea of we run, we train, we focus, and we risk. Think about the running part. Paul says this, Verse 24, don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to what? Win. Dude, you're a winner. You're not a loser. You're a winner. You're on the winning team. So run to win. Run to win in a way where you're like, man, I'm, I'm in this race. I'm going to stay in step with the Spirit. I'm running this thing. I'm, gonna, I'm doing this. One of the most discouraging things sometimes is when I get around people who just are like, they've just already given up. You ever been around someone like that? It's like they, they've already given up. I had the privilege this week of spending some time with Faye Miller. Faye Miller is a dear, dear, dear saint um, from, from Bethany. And has, him and Thelma have been here for many, many years. And Faye's been battling things in his health for quite some time. But I want to tell you this. Faye finished the race well. I literally came into his room and he was at home and hospice was there and I came in and Pastor Ron was there and, and Faye saw Pastor Ron, he'd been, he'd been laying down and we actually had woke him up and Faye saw Pastor Ron and Pastor Ron and then he looked over and he saw me and Thelma said, Pastor Brian's here and all of a sudden Faye just like perks up, sits up in bed 
It's like, I want to have a conversation. Pastor Brian's in my house. And he just sat there, and the one thing that Faye did was Faye never talked about anything that he was facing. Do you know what Faye asked? How's your family? The guy's on his deathbed. How's your kids? How's Gabe? He's, he's getting ready to graduate, right? Like, like that's, the, those are the things. Like, hard, can hardly talk, can hardly, but he wants to know about my family. He's asking Pastor Ron, how's your family? How's Jen? Like he's, like, he's thinking of others. He's finishing the race well. He's like, I'm going to run all the way to the end. Because what he recognizes is that when you stay in step with the Spirit, you'll get the prize. And I believe that Faye, this morning, or yesterday, I think it was, I can't remember exactly, but it was yesterday when he passed away, that he got into heaven, and I think there was a little announcement that went out over the speaker. Faye Miller's arrived! And Faye stood before the Lord, and I believe he heard those words. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. You've run the race. You've run it well. You've stood upon the promises of God, so keep running. The idea of training is found in verse 25. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. You know why we spend time in God's word every day? It's training. Why we spend time in prayer? Training. Why we come together as a church body? It's training. Why we do groups in, in community with each other? Training. We're constantly training. Come on, let's train. Let's do this. Let's keep in step with the Spirit. And then let's focus. It says, so I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. There's a focus to what we're doing. There's a focus to what we're doing as believers, as followers of Christ. Let's be those people who are focused. Come on, let's run. Let's train. Let's focus. Let's take risks. Now, I know some of you, some of you are risk takers. Some of you are not. I'm more of a risk taker. But this idea of risking is this, is like in the midst of the training, in the midst of the things that we're doing, we need to remember there's a risk. There's a risk so we stay in step with the Spirit. We run, we train, we focus, we risk. And it comes down to trusting God. And so today, here's what I want to do. I want to ask you a simple question, and the question is this. Is are you in step with the Spirit? As I was praying, I just, I really felt like the Lord this week was just laying on my heart. I, I want to bring people down to an altar. Now, an altar really is this. It's just a place that we signify as a place where we're just going to meet with the Lord. And you can make an altar in your room. You can make it in your car. You can make it in a lot of different places. But it's just a place that you go back to and you say, you know what, that's a spot where I met with God. In a church, many times an altar is around the front of a stage or around a, the pulpit area. And the reason why it's an altar is because I can tell you, I know that there have been hundreds, if not thousands, probably safe to say thousands, of people who have met with God right down here along these altars. People who have been set free from addictions, Marriages restored, healings taking place, people being filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And they've, those moments have all happened right in these altars. Today when I was asking the Lord, okay, God, so we're going to bring people down to the altar. Like, what does that look like? And I felt like the Lord just gave just one simple challenge. And here it is. 
Will you stay in step with the Spirit? If today you'd say, you know what, I'm willing to stay in step with the Spirit. I don't even maybe know what that looks like, but I'm willing just to come and to posture myself right alongside of the Holy Spirit, and I'm just going to stay in step with Him. I'm not going to be perfect. Sometimes I may get distracted. Squirrel, go off. Those moments may happen, but hey, I'm going to come back to that. I'm going to come back to that moment of Holy Spirit guiding, directing. He's the trail guide. He's the shopping guide. He's the whatever guide you want to call him. He's that guide in my life. And I'm just, I'm just going to follow right along with him. I'm just going to put myself right in step with the Spirit of God. And if today you'd say, you know what, that's me. I need to take that step. Maybe for you today it's a step of salvation. Like literally, you don't have a personal relationship with Christ yet. And that's okay as long as you don't leave out of here without having it. Because God today is saying, listen, I'm crazy, madly in love with you. I love you right where you are. I, I love everything about you. I know you've sinned, but I've come to set you free from that sin. See, the Bible says, for all have sinned, that's all of us, and fallen short of the glory of God. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God's given you a gift. He's saying, listen, my gift is forgiveness. And all you have to do is ask for it. So maybe today the step would be for you of staying in step with the Spirit would be the Spirit of God's leading you, but you would come down to this altar area and you would say, you know what, God, forgive me of my sin, change my life, that's your step. Maybe others of you, it's like you've been, you've been way out up ahead of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's saying, hey, can you, can you come back? <laughs> can we just get in step together? Maybe others of us, you're, you're behind. You're, you're, you're just falling behind because maybe fear has kept you from taking those steps. And God today is saying, listen, let's just, let's just get in step together. Can we get in step together? And so I believe God's asking for a physical representation of the spiritual step you're taking today. And so I'm going to actually ask you to come down to this altar and to just spend some time talking to the Lord. And just saying, God, I'm here to meet with you. Would you meet with me? Like you've met with other people, thousands of other people in these altars. Would you meet with me right now? I want to be in step with you. So Father, I pray for these next few moments as people will get out of their seats, they'll come down to this altar and they'll say, I just want to be in step with you. I pray, God, that you'll help us in that to take the steps that we need to take. Because God, if we live by the Spirit, then let us keep in step with the Spirit. I pray that in Jesus' name.